Dude, Kafka, mm-hmm. I'm getting into it. I'm digging really? it. Yeah, I mean, I'm only I'm halfway through the trial. And I have to say, it's a very interesting read. And I'm captured by it. Like, if you told me I have to stop reading it right now, I would be annoyed. I want to keep reading. It is not as effortless as some other books, where it just where every page just flows. Dune, once I got into it, I was addicted and was flying through the pages. It's not that. I'm addicted, but I can't fly through these pages. The mm. writing style is awkward in a way. I think it's by design, but the whole, I mean, the story and the characters and the writing, it's all, it's not meant to be flowy, right? It's not, you're not flowing through the story. It's not kind of sort of a river. It's a, an ascent that's somewhat uncomfortable. It's very stony and dirty, but there's yeah, something yeah, yeah, satisfying yeah, 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 yeah. about it. Dude, this is so true. Like, like, I, I also feel so, um, from what I remember it being like almost like it feels like something that's not good for you, but you want more of it. That's that's kind of how, how I remember feeling it at some points reading. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't gotten to that point. For me, it's one thing that's really exciting to me is, I, I mean, A, the main character is so beautifully flawed, right? I mean, you can just tell by the way that character is going through life and is interpreting all these surprising events in his life and his inner and outer dialogue that this character is such an egotistical, egocentric, distorted human. But there's something beautiful. Like, we love flawed characters. There's something that's attractive about deeply flawed people. Right, I don't know what that is, but if you think about like movies and music and pe- things that humanity is attracted to, there's something beautiful about the certain kind of flawed human that we find very, very compelling. And so this character is very compelling, and he's very flawed, and he's so arrogant. It's but I, it's been a while that I've encountered such a level of arrogance in a character. And I'm sort of enjoying it. Like there's a, there's a pleasure I'm getting from you know seeing how deeply. I remember you talking uh, Dune about the uh, how much he enjoyed the grandiosity and arrogance of uh, the emperor. The emperor. <laughs> see a pattern. Do you see a pattern? I think actually you uh, you remember this wrongly because I think that you were the one that really loved the uh, Harkonnen. Yeah, Harkonnen. Oh, oh who, Harkonnen. Which one you, you really you really loved the the God Emperor. Oh, the God Emperor? I didn't really love yeah. him. But there were parts where it was super arrogant that I was like taking enjoyment in. Yeah. For sure. Maybe there's a pattern here. The other thing about this book, it's not just the main character that's deeply flawed. Almost every character in this book is deeply flawed. I feel like I would not be surprised if at the end of this book, there's literally tons of blame to go around, but there's no, you know, there's nobody that's a hero. There's nobody that's getting out of this story unscattered, you know, and like clean. Everybody's dirty. Everybody's in the wrong. Again, this, you know, part of me is just amused because it is written amusingly, at least the first half of the book. So it's kind of amusing to just encounter a world where everybody's in the wrong. It's entertaining. It's puzzling as well. It's kind of confusing. This is the kind of book and story where the entire time you go, what the hell is going on here? You know, what is this? Mm-hmm. What is this? And there's constant twists and turns. 
And every new character and every new development that's introduced, it's only making it more confusing. You're like, what is going on here? And again, there's a sick pleasure in that. Maybe this is what you're describing. It's sort of like the at mm. the point where you're reaching into the the box of uh, chocolates and you know you're actually not enjoying it anymore, but you can't stop. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's too late now. You have to finish the fucking box, right? It's not within your control anymore. And I and I and would not be surprised. I think it's very obvious at this point already that this book will not end in a satisfactory way. Like you're not going to mm. end this book and now get the big resolve knowing what happened. The big morale of the story is X. You're not going to get that. He's not going to give you the satisfaction of knowing what the book was about. But there's already a number of themes that are developing that the book could be about. Which right? <laughs> is, again, both unsatisfying and very enticing. Intriguing. Yeah. It's very intriguing where you go, all right, you know, this book could be about how unjust life is and the world is. This book could be about the guilt we all carry around in anything in life and society that's not fair because we all are sort of guilty. There's a, I remember a part of him very arrogantly talking about the, 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 the entire first half of the book, he feels above this trial that's going on, he's sort of arrogantly telling himself and everybody else, I don't even give a shit about this. I don't even care what this is about because at any point I can just walk away from all this and you low-level people will have to be stuck on this trial on your own because I'm above all this. Like he just pretends that this is not a problem and he doesn't give a shit and everybody and he's obviously making the whole thing worse for himself because he's treating these people really terribly, you know that apparently might have a lot of power over his life. And eventually you can see that there's moments where he has doubt and he's wondering, but not in a gentle, obvious way going, oh, I wonder if I made a mistake. No, it's still probably ahead of him. But he goes, I never even cared about these kind of proceedings and the kind of justice system we have. And I wouldn't even have cared if it was fair or not, if it hadn't basically, like if it was not the fact that I walked one morning and this piece of gum stuck on my shoe and now I have to like care about it basically. He doesn't say it that way, but that's kind of the sentiment. It's like, now I'm annoyed by this injustice. But when I saw other people go through this, it wouldn't even matter to me because I was above all this and that made me go, you know, our justice system, no matter where you are, if you're in Europe, in the US, in Asia, everywhere around the world, the justice systems that we have are very unjust in many places. And they, and they are victims of this system. People that are, have been handed a card much too harsh for what they did or didn't do. And most of us live their happy life not giving a fuck. Like, we just don't care. Because it's not yeah. us. It's not somebody yeah. we know. And it's not so prevailing where every day our neighbor, then the other neighbor, then our cousin, then our, it's not everywhere within our vicinity where we go, oh my God, there's something broken with this. And sooner or later, it's going to catch me. It's so far away. We know some people are being treated unjustly. We know there's certain things that are fucked up and wrong about our justice system. But we go, well, too bad, but it's not my problem. And I, I, I remember having that jump out of the page. When he went through that, I went, well, I'm the same way. You know, and he is a, a character that I think is really deeply, deeply flawed. But boom, here's a moment where I can 
connect because I, I act the same way. I go, ah, shoulder shrug, not my problem. Or I get that this is a problem, but it's not penetrating through my heart enough to do something about it or get involved. It's not my problem. <laughs> it's a problem. It's not my problem. Yeah, it is a problem. It's not my problem. And so you, you get these moments in the book where you go, ah, here's somebody that's deeply, deeply flawed. And I kind of, you know, I, I'm not above the character in this situation in life. And then just the writing. I mean, almost everything in the writing, I find almost every sentence in this book, I find structured with a certain arrogance, aloofness and like detachment from real life. But there's something beautiful about it. Like there's a certain consistency. There's a certain poetry of arrogance that I find in the writing style. Again, it doesn't matter if it's the main character or if it's a side character or if it's just partially describing a scene. Every sentence has a, you can't, I find that I can't read this book in a, in a neutral state and voice. Every mm. sentence has, is a bit verbose and a bit arrogant and a bit, yeah, there's a certain arrogance throughout all of it. And then I go wonder, what is he telling us? Right? Is it just that he was that way? I mean, I have to read more of his books to know how much his styles was were varying. So how much intention is in some of the quirkiness of this book versus what is just his style? From what I've read about a few of his other works, this theme of there's something confusing happened to some character that's surprising, that's getting more and more confusing, and we don't know why. That kind of seems to be a common theme among his books. But uh, I wonder if that kind of that arrogance, that verboseness uh, is, is something he did intentionally here or something that I'll encounter in other writings of his. But again, I find the writing very unique. And it's not, it, it's sometimes when sentences, you know this from me, I'm not a fan of long writing. I'm not a fan of sentences that are unnecessarily long. With Frank Herbert, I would enjoy it because it was masterfully done and I could end the sentence and go well there's this is a piece of art and it made me galop a certain way down the sentence and so yeah. this is not and about describing like something place say it again uh, um say it again place yes with him with Kafka his sentences are also kind of complicatedly structured sometimes very awkwardly structured but I can tell that it creates a certain reading experience that's unique. And it's not because the author did not know how to write differently. Like that, You don't get that sense. You get the sense that this is part of the experience. One yeah. interesting... So like it changes your state of mind in a yes, way. Yes, yes. The way you read creates the feeling that the author wants you to have because it's connected to the main message of the book or it makes you feel certain things that are happening in the story unconsciously. There's a certain, these characters, especially the main character, he is doing mental gymnastics to change what is happening to fit his narrative. Something is happening where he's at fault and he will change it and make himself, you know, above all these people. There's this arrogance that he always has to like create mental gymnastics to make himself self-satisfied that he's actually above all this and everything he did was fine you know <laughs> like that 
think of uh, Larry David. <laughs> yes, yes, Larry, but but less likable and less funny. You know, if you took away Larry David's likability and fun, uh, then you'd have Kafka's character in the trial. He's very much in the wrong, but he is doing the mental work necessary to feel himself above, to you know, to elevate himself above what he just did. And that sort of arrogant and disgusting mental effort to create a certain self-satisfaction, that's also the writing. Like the writing is sort of unnecessarily hard work. Like these sentences are so hard. There's so much effort in laboring the sentences, but it's done to create a certain, the whole book is creating this self-satisfaction of pretending to be something, maybe that it even isn't, right? Now I'm like totally in, in interpretation world, but there's also beauty to interpret. I was just thinking there was a, a, a parallel threads going on in my mind while I was just for the last minute. One thread was going, wouldn't it be better to finish the fucking book before you give your opinion on it, right? Know the conclusions. And then there was another thread that was going, you know, there's actually something beautiful to talk about a book in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. right where are yeah. you what do you feel what do you think is going on before the the story has concluded yeah. yeah right there's there's a beauty in it because it's not that i read a sentence i read half the book in five days so i've been in it there's something beautiful about me now sharing just rawly what i think of it and then when i end it to see how you know is it the same have i totally been surprised or changed who gives a shit right i don't have to be right i just this is just I am right now. I don't have to be anything right, wrong, smart, right? I'm not going to be a Kafka scholar no matter what I do. So just like giving my opinion right now, there's some, there's a sick joy in reading this book. And this is what I do. This is what we geek out on when we get into a book and there's a sick joy in it. There's a, not even sick. There's a joy in it for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent. And then we just nerd out on the, what, why is this working? What is it doing that's it's beautiful? It's kind of beautiful in a un, very unusual way that we can't quite make sense of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so in that sense, I love reading this book because, again, it introduces me to very different characters. This is a very different kind of story from those that I've read in the past year or two. And the writing is completely different. So the, that's also giving me some level of joy because I'm reading different writing again. This a different type of storytelling. And I'm just bathing in the variety of it right now. I'm so into story that this is kind of like, ooh, this is so different. But it's not just different. It is not just different. It is good. Because I am hooked. I am not laboring. I'm not forcing myself to read it, to read Kafka or to finish the book or to whatever reason, insert a reason or to, because it's different. I'm not, it's not work to read it. I want to read it. I'm drawn to it. I'm interested. I have moments of pleasure where I go, ooh, this feels good. This is probably not good to like this, but I like this. <laughs> this is kind of, <laughs> this is satisfying. Um, or exciting. There are parts like last night I was reading, I was so tired I couldn't stop. And then there's there's this moment where, and here's these constant moments. I wonder if this is also going to be a theme. It seems to me there are these moments where if he just acted, if he just took the situation a little bit more seriously 
And if he just acted with a little less arrogance, he might be able to get out of this situation. Mm. And he just chooses <laughs> not to. Yeah. Right? He just chooses to not take this seriously and to be as arrogant as he could possibly feel. And you get the sense that that's his protection mechanism. Like, huh, this is not a problem. And then he just makes it worse. But until last night, until that one scene last night, everything before that, every situation where that could have appeared before that, Kafka didn't make it as obvious. So you're sort of, at the end of the interaction, you're sort of not sure if he is worse off or not. You're just kind of like, whatever, it's just a situation. The, the other characters are saying, well, you just made it worse. But because they are also so flawed and the whole thing is so puzzling, you really don't know. But last night there was a situation for the first time where he does something. You don't even think about it. He's just like drawn and distracted by some girl. And he, again, he's like observing a, a, a situation and it's just, you know, there's his uncle that wants to help him, but he's kind of like arrogant about his uncle. And then there's this lawyer who wants to help him, but the lawyer's kind of sick and he's actually the lawyer of poor people. So it, it, the main character's mind is like, hmm, it's probably not the right lawyer for me anyways. It's just not into it. And then it turns out the lawyer knows, knows this like clerk that works in the, in the, in the court and that character is introduced in the room. And again, like the main character is sort of like, nah, I don't know. And then there's this chick, this woman that draws his attention away. And all the women also, by the way, I wonder if this is going to change, but all the women in this book are deeply flawed. I mean, Jesus, they're just every single woman in this book. And I don't know if this is Kafka, much more so I suspect this is how the main character is experiencing women how he sees them, and also what kind of women he is drawn to. But all the women in this book are terrible. Just all of them a big, distracting, seductive, you know, I want to sleep with you, although I shouldn't, and let me distract you and try to seduce you away from everything else that's happening in your life. Just like all the women are terrible in this book. But which is also fun. They're all fun, you know. They're just fun, interesting. It's like, what is going on? This woman too? Like, you're just surprised like that these characters turn into these like terrible little side uh, uh, stories. And so he's getting distracted by this woman. And, you know, it's kind of totally in his own world with this woman trying to figure out. And he's never really into any of these women. But then because they are interested in him, he sort of, huh, maybe I should sleep with this woman. Because again, very opportunistic and always for the wrong reason. Always because, oh, this woman, this other guy that is in the court is interested in. So if I sleep with her, I might be, even if the my trial goes bad, I might have something over him, right? <laughs> I slept with a woman you like. Or, <laughs> you know, this woman wants me. I'm not sure, but she could maybe help me with my situation. And the first woman he's getting into is sort of like it's a neighbor. You can guess from the entire interaction that he never like he probably lived next to her for a long period of time. Doesn't know her real first name. He's never taken an interest in her. But his trial appears in this kind of funky way where they just show up in his bedroom and then they have like a preliminary hearing or whatever in the room of the neighbor because the, the that lady is working. 
And because he's so shocked about and embarrassed that there's a trial and some people in that building have like figured it out or know it, he's very overly concerned to have conversations with all of them and kind of distract them or make them forget that something happened today, right? In the beginning, he's all about like, nobody should know this and nothing happened. And how do I convince all these people that really nothing happened? But again, much more arrogantly, right? He's not saying this. He's just, huh, let me talk to this lady and make sure she's not confused about this thing that I'm totally above. And so he, he wants to talk to that neighbor lady to kind of like convince her that nothing happened and whatever, whatever. And then the landlord lady is basically telling him, oh, you know, I don't know if this is a good woman and she's sleeping around with all these men and he comes home really late. And in that moment, he's now, you can tell that once he hears that, he, he now has to sleep with her tonight. You know, something inside of him is just like, oh. and then he's waiting for her to come home and he's like angry, pacing back and forth. It's 11 p.m. Why is he not home already? He's already jealous. He doesn't even know this lady, right? Because she comes home and he just basically forces himself into her room and this lady doesn't want him in there and he kind of kisses her hand, is trying to seduce her and she's totally not into it. He's almost, you know, he's always on the line. I mean, he's already totally inappropriate, but he hasn't, you know, hasn't done something yet. But you can tell anything he's doing, she sort of endures, but she doesn't like. Eventually, she gets him out of the fucking room and he's like you know, went back into bed and was thinking about going to sleep. And I was quite satisfied with my actions tonight and everything mm-hmm. I did. I was ju- the only thing puzzling was that I was not even more satisfied than I was. And then I fell asleep sound. It was just totally, well, I did well today. You know, this was perfectly fine what I did. I'm just curious that I'm not, not, not even more happy about my actions. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's beautiful. Uh, but all the women in the, this book, he's interested in for all the wrong reasons, right? Never really interested because he's interested in any of this, because he's too self-involved. And so this this lady is seducing him aware of this room with the, the lawyer and his uncle and this, like, clerk from the court. And again, he's not really into her, but he's just, like, he's just enjoying that this woman is super into him, which you make you... You wonder, because all these women are throwing themselves, except the first one, are throwing themselves at him. And you go, is this really what's happening? Is this is how he interprets what's happening? You're not sure, because this character is so flawed. And he comes out, and his uncle is out in the rain, is like out of his mind angry at him, because he's like, what did you do? We were there. The lawyer had the strategy. The clerk is the main guy that's handling your fucking case. We could have solved it. Everybody wanted to solve your case and your trial and help you. And you go off to fuck the lady that the lawyer is in love with. And (laughs) it's so obvious because you leave and you just never come back. You you know, and, and we talk for half an hour, for an hour, and you just never come back. Are you insane? You know how embarrassing this was? You know, this, and it, that's the first moment where he makes it obvious that you think, wait a second, maybe if he didn't act this arrogantly all the prior times, all the way up to this very moment, the whole thing would be over. Or he would be in such a much better... Because you can tell this is, going, this is not going to end well. This trial is not going to end well for him, right? It starts off this small, confusing thing, and it's kind of fun and weird and awkward, but you can kind of tell this is not going to end well. It's going to be a terrible, terrible, terrible ending that's coming for this character. And he, in this, in, 
in that story, for me at least, the first time it was crystal clear because it's spelled out directly. Dude, if you were just a little less of a fucking asshole, a douchebag, we you could have made such a pro- you could have solved your trial problem right here tonight, and you just chose not. You dumbass. And then you know you you chunk it up a couple of levels, and you think, isn't that true? Like, how true is that for most of our problems in life? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They're kind of small and inconvenient, but we pretend they don't matter. We pretend yeah. we don't have to deal with them, and they just escalate. We just cannot surrender to it in a way that is not convenient or doesn't fit our prior patterns. This is a universal truth. Huge problems, they start small, right? Most problems start small, and the longer you ignore them, the bigger they get. So problems are easy to solve when they're still small in the beginning. They're always inconvenient, but they're just much easier to solve. We're all, we've all been in the situation where there's something we know we need to do, we ought to do. A great example is parting ways with somebody, either personal relationship or professional relationship, firing somebody or breaking up with somebody. You know there's a moment that you know, mm, I need to do this. But then you really don't want to. Right? It's going to be painful, inconvenient. The person's going to be hurt. There's some things you like about this person, some benefits you're getting from this relationship that you're going to lose. There's some doubt if your opinion is even right. Should you really do it or not? Maybe you're misjudging. There's all this noise which makes you hesitate and push it down the line to later. I'm not going to deal with this problem today, later. And later and later, the later it gets, the bigger the problem becomes then. And a year later, you go, oh, my God, I wish I had parted ways a year ago. Now it's significantly harder and it's gotten really bad. Now I get no benefits anymore and there's all these problems and all this. But now I can't part ways as easily as I could have a year ago. We've all gone through this at some point. So there's this pattern of maybe he could have solved his trial at the very beginning, if he just acted with a little less arrogance, mm-hmm. you don't know. I mean, and, I, and again, I'm, or I would bet a lot of money at this point that Kafka is not going to give us a simple ending that will make this obvious, right? He will, I'm sure, will end this book and there's not going to be any easy answers, any easy conclusions. You're going to have to figure out what the book was about, what it means. Who's at fault? Why everybody's at fault? Like, he's not going to, was this a real trial, not a trial? Like, was it all in his mind? You, it's the kind of book where you know already you're going to end the book and you're not going to know, you know? Yeah, it's going to leave you with some questions that are going to follow you around for a yes. while. Yes, which is also beautiful, right? That's also part of, it's a different type of telling a story where all, all, there's many big questions that are handed over to the listener or the viewer or the consumer of the story with no answers. Boom. And that's, that is the, the, the type of story. At the end, now, the gift we've given you is now you have to figure it out. You have to carry these questions and, around with you for a while. Yeah, and that, that often like stimulates new ways of thinking, right? It makes yes. you think in ways you thought about before. Yes, and because you... And it makes you carry these questions into your life, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes, like if, you, if we read a story and it kind of A to Z is a beautiful, simple arc of a hero, a challenge, overcoming, whatever, we, we get a lot of enjoyment from that. And 
as a metaphor, it might map to our life and maybe the hero learns something that could map to situations that we're in. But oftentimes, maybe that happens on the subconscious level, but on the conscious level, we were just captured by the story. We follow it along. And at the end, it leaves us with a, you know, satisfactory moment. All right, this was a beautiful meal. I was hungry. I ate something that I was, you know, had appetite for. Ooh, now I'm full. I'm happy. That's it. That's that. It ends there. This kind of book, I think when you read it seriously and you're interested in it, you now have, once it's over, it really starts. Because it's the kind of book that is not meant to be eaten and then enjoyed and then you're done with it, concluded. It's the type of book that by the end, when you finish it, now you have to walk around pregnant with it, with the questions of it, and you have to find answers and birth some answers during your life, like during your days. Maybe it makes you think about, in my case, like how I think about justice and fairness and why am I not more involved in some social causes in my life, right? Maybe it makes me think about where am I arrogant in ways that I'm unaware of, right? Because in general, I don't think I'm a super arrogant person, but I am. I'm sure I am in many areas of my life where I'm have blind spots. I don't see it. So there's certain questions that I'll have to carry around in my day-to-day life and ponder. And that's, this is the type of story that creates that kind of extension. Um, It doesn't end at the end. It has a new start at the end, which is now you have these questions and you'll have to figure them out in your day-to-day life about yourself, which is dope, right? Which is really, really dope when you can do that. Well, I'm glad I only wanted to talk to you about the trial for the first five minutes. Because I was certain, I was certain I had not more than three minutes of things to say. <laughs> I, was certain, I didn't know. 